0: Welcome to the 12 Days of Edition Wars. In this year's series, we will be taking a deep dive into the things that we love about this game and why we love them. On this third day of Edition Wars, my DM gave to me our favorite non-digital gaming tools. I am Sam Dillon, and I am here with my wonderfully awesome co-host, Brandis Stoddard. How are you, sir?
1: I'm uh, wonderfully awesome, which is quite uh, news to me, but I'll take yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Hey, I mean, you know, I stand by what I said. All right. And what would you like to say about non-digital gaming tools? Uh,
1: Well, I, I do feel like I should uh, uh, thank Wizards of the Coast for sending me the um, recent uh, new releases with, with their um, Battle Tiles. I need to find their actual name. I'm so bad at this. I Is totally. It the
0: camp- campaign tiles. Yeah, Is the campaign the- tiles. That yeah. sounds
1: right. Um, and then also their their creature um, tokens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, they, I got review copies of both of those, and I think those are really nice. I'm really happy with the campaign tiles. See, I've been using tactiles of one kind or another. For a long, long time. Mm-hmm. A long time. And the thing about all of the old school tactiles is that they damage really easily and they show that damage mm-hmm. because they're whiteboard. Mm-hmm. And then the the well, second generation to me, I, there were probably generations between these, but there's a, the later generation that I have, that are the gray ones. They're also great. They don't hook up to the first set so that isn't ideal. And also, um, they have an absolute temper tantrum if you use uh, the wrong kind of marker on them.
0: Oh, yes.
1: And friends, uh the wrong kind of marker is low odor dry erase. <laughs> and that's yeah. a problem because they don't sell not low odor anymore.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: So those boards just have... A forced obsolescence timer, right? That I can't do anything about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so these new tiles from so, of the coast are so really ha- cool.
0: I have the official name for you. It's oh, campaign good. case colon terrain. Oh, thank and goodness. then campaign case colon creatures. <laughs>
1: that makes me slightly less so, of a monster as a reviewer because I yes. can't remember the name of the product. <laughs> uh, but the the uh, the terrain is great. Um, there, there are, um, the little, uh, stick ons Mm -hmm. that that, that peel back up that that you can use. So you have an actual image, uh, rather than just, uh, whatever you've had to scroll on there in a hurry as your party goes to the next room, but also there are tiles of multiple sizes that you can join together, um. And I mean, I've as I said at the start of this, I've loved tactile since forever. They're they're absolutely great. Even even their flaws, they're they're still worth it and still useful, mm-hmm. and I use them all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to using these the next time I have a, a big in-person game where I need to draw a bunch of maps, which hasn't been for a while since before I got these tiles. Right. Um, but uh, that has got to be my number one analog tool is the tactiles.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah. So for me, um, yeah. You know, I love maps, and I I love you know I I love the flip mats that Paizo makes. Okay. Which are the the you, you, they're like you know three by four maps that you you fold out and it's coated with plastic or whatever. So you can write with whatever kind of pen you want on it. Um, and they, you know, you can buy generic ones that are blank basically with just a little bit of embellishment, or you can buy actual maps, right? I have a ton of those. They're really wonderful. Um, but actually my favorite low tech tool
1: uh-huh.
0: is three by five cards.
1: Oh, sure. Yep.
0: That's just, that's the thing I use the most of that in composition notebooks, because mm-hmm. that's where I jot down ideas and notes about different things that are happening that when I'm not necessarily at my computer or if I'm reading or if I'm enjoying some other type of entertainment and a thought comes to me, I'm I'm writing it in a composition notebook. You know, a generic like $1 dollar store variety, you know, composition notebook and dollar store variety three by five cards because nice. you can always – Find a use for a little card. You can write NPC ideas on it. You can write monster stats on it. You can write notes to yourself about something a character did that you want to remember and have it separate from other types of notes. I mean, it's just very, very analog. Very much that those are the things that I use constantly: composition notebooks and three by five cards.
1: Yeah, we absolutely use three by three by five cards as our uh, power cards in the fourth edition Mm -hmm. game I play Mm -hmm. in. Because why wouldn't you? They're right. great. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the, the, the Gale Force Nine cards are, are great too. Don't, sure. don't get me wrong. I have nothing against those. It's just, you know, the math that right. you can't put on mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Well, so the key there is you get uh, card protectors, right? Sure. And then you write on the card protector.
1: That's absolutely a thing right. we, you, you could do. I, yeah. I have not. Yeah. Um, and the, the Gale Force Nine spell cards for... Mm-hmm. Uh, for 5th edition are also mm-hmm. very solid. Um, I, I have sets of them. Um, I don't think I have enough sets of them for all the different casters mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. running around my game, right. or for people to fully rebuild their spellbooks each session. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want right. them to just take the cards with right. them because they're mine. Right,
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. But uh, I, I do like them as tools. Um, yeah. I also have uh, some some really early Dwarven Forge stuff mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that I picked up from a friend who needed to like, liquidate his collection. He was moving. Um, and so I, I got it for a song. Right. And nice. Uh, Very it, was, cool. it was cool of him. Um, and I've made some cool things with it. There's it, been some some cool dungeons to explore. I'd like to do more of that um and uh yeah when we use minis we're mostly using uh reaper bones these days mm-hmm. because i've backed some mm-hmm. reaper bones kickstarters yeah i don't have a problem you have a problem shut up
0: um <laughs> i use tokens i yeah. don't use minis anymore i at one point in time uh as listeners of the tome show probably know or have heard at some point in the past at one point i had a lot of miniatures had an extensive collection over you know 1800 miniatures and for over dozens of years you know you know that maybe not dozens. i mean there were many years of collecting okay um Mm -hmm. and at some point i decided you know what i really like tokens better they're flat i can use a non-3d map and everything is just flat and easy to see, and it's no muss, no fuss, you know, um, which is what I want for the majority of my battle scenes is no muss, no fuss on the table, right? I want something quick and easy. Um, so I started using tokens, and I and I really like tokens. Um, and so I ended up selling all of my miniatures. Mm-hmm. And when I sold my miniatures, I made a deal with myself that I would never, ever get into miniatures again, because if I'm ever going to collect them again, because honestly, it is just a collection, right? Like I can't, I can't just buy a few for an an encounter here and there. If I'm going to buy them and commit, I'm going to end up collecting them, right? Are. Um, And just because I know myself, I don't, I'm not putting that on anybody else, but that's how I operate, right? Mm-hmm. So I I had to make a deal with myself that I would never get into miniatures again. So I have refrained from buying miniatures for a good mm, eight or 10 years now, maybe, maybe, maybe seven years. I don't, I'm not really counting at this point, but I sold all my miniatures. So I no longer use miniatures. I also sold my Dwarven Forge. So I no longer use three, 3d terrain. Wow. Um, Yeah. Uh, And so Part of that was space related, not space in my house, space in my brain, because it got to where I was making encounters and using the equipment I had to develop different pieces of my game. But what that ended up doing is is taking up my brain space with where is that thing and I got to go find that one and I have to, you know, and even though I'm fairly organized, there's always another thing to find or look for and i needed to not have that i needed to take take that away from my life and i did and i i have no regrets i do not begrudge anybody collecting minis at the time that those reaper bones kickstarters came out i didn't have the ability financially to back those sure but i'm absolutely positive that if i had I would have backed every single one of those Reaper bones. Yeah. They've had like what, four or five now?
1: Five now. Um,
0: Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure I would have. And I would probably still have a lot of minis. But, um, you know, I I went through a large purging of things that I decided that I didn't want to have anymore. Um,
1: Yeah. Um, My wife and I decided that we were going to be fine with having a lot of Reaper bones. And so Mm -hmm. we have all of these, uh, like, uh, picture shelves. Around nice. our gaming table, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, on, on, mm-hmm. on the walls around our gaming table, right. to make them as available as possible. Yeah. The the thing that really made sure I could never give up, give up a minis is um, my friend uh, Patrick, who is a wonderful terrible person, <laughs> uh, because he has a three D printer uh, and yes. some some mm-hmm. really pretty STLs, mm-hmm. and uh, so he's he you know, prints stuff out for me largely for the joy of creating the thing right of, of like, seeing mm-hmm. the thing made and and printing it out and getting to use this cool 3D printer that he has yeah uh, and you know these these minis are so incredible and intricate and in some cases large that I think many may no longer be strictly accurate mm-hmm. but I also don't <laughs> care. <laughs> right rule (laughs) so what can you do
0: look it's still a mini because if it was in real life it would be much much larger
1: (laughs) uh right yes that that is it it would it has to be larger still Mm -hmm. but i i don't want to spoil it too much for my players but i'm excited to see them visit the court of Nessus someday
0: nice (laughs) i will be
1: sad (laughs) if they don't (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and so uh, Patrick's 3D printer is my other favorite analog tool. <laughs> That's maybe not fair, but it is accurate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it it produces for you a an analog right an, an analog yeah, yeah. piece of equipment, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. so I think that counts. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's you know, I, I think uh, if I if I had a house where I could have a setup, with 3D printers i would probably get back into miniatures and and terrain because i could print it yeah. myself and stl files yeah it are becomes a, a problem cheaper. in a hurry
1: i'm just going right, to remind right. you of this no
0: i know i know <laughs> but 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 in that case i'm making them myself so yeah. there is that different aspect to it of the joy of seeing that thing created and finding a good stl file and you know producing that item right or designing and producing something is very different from just purchasing and collecting right so um but yeah but no yeah no i don't i i I love miniatures i really do and but for me they started getting in the way of my creativity when i was trying to just you know make the game you know what i mean uh and so and that that was a me problem fully full-on a me problem i don't blame anybody or any company or any anything like that um you know, so that's just, that's what it is. Um, But anyway, back to the, so, you know, Paizo makes really nice uh, spell cards and and battle cards for their creatures as well, uh, for Pathfinder 2. So I'm really, I'm really liking that system right now, which is why I keep mentioning it, but their, their stuff is really good. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it has a similar problem though, to the fifth edition ones, which I also have, right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is, if you don't, So there's two problems with it. If you're the type of person that wants that thing to stay pristine and you're not going to use it, Hmm. then don't buy it, right? right. Because it's just going to sit on your shelf and never be used. But if you're, if you want to use it, you can, um, for some of some sizes of the cards, you can get you know, card protectors that you can get them relatively cheap, right? Um, or you can just not worry about it and use them and enjoy them for what they are. They're meant to be used, right? And so if that is up your alley, then I highly recommend those things because they're really helpful. Um, on the other hand, if it's not something you would use, they're nice, but they're not like the end-all be-all, right? Because they just, I, I guess what I'm saying is for me, the older I get, the, the I find the utility in things it outweighs uh just having it right like mm-hmm. i want to be able to use it yeah and so i find that if i'm not using something i'm i'm probably i get rid of it right i start to i start to you know i donate it or i you know i don't just throw it in the trash that's not what i mean but i, I you know i'll donate it sure. or i'll sell it or i'll give it to somebody who needs it or wants it or whatever but like if it's not if i'm not going to use it it's not like you know and so um so my, I, you know, if you probably, if we had done this podcast, like five, 10 years ago, my list of digital tools would have been much longer. My list of analog tools would have been much longer, but I've really paired back with what I, what I use and what I keep and what I, and, and what I have in my game, because it's much more freeing to me now. And it's just, it's more, it's more the style that I want to be right. Mm-hmm. Not to say that if you, if we have this another 10 years, uh, I might have totally flipped again. Right. So who knows? Sure,
1: sure. That'll, I'll, pro- uh, that'll I'll be- probably
0: probably still always use three by five cards though. Just so you know.
1: <laughs> no, the, I mean they're great. Uh, it hasn't really been part of my approach. Mm-hmm. There isn't a good reason for that. It, just in terms of game running, um, I am definitely aware of people who absolutely swear by them. Um, my thirteenth age GM makes good use of them because we don't use battle maps, mm-hmm. so he'll just sketch the the sort of area at some scale on a three by five card right? um, and sort of give us a general idea of where we are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of great ways to use something as, as simple and physically modular, so to speak Mm -hmm. as a three by five card.
0: Oh yeah. Um, Oh, and that brings up another thing, graph paper.
1: Oh sure, right. Sure, sure. I
0: sure. I, I bought some uh, sets of six pads of of graph of generic graph paper from Amazon, uh-huh. really super cheap a couple of years ago, and it's like my scratch paper. Like it's it's so nice because if I want to just sketch a little map, it's right there, and I can get distances if I want them because it's got, it's got grids on it. Right. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. I used to always use graph paper as my note taking paper in college. So, um, it brings that right back. Uh, makes me feel young again a little bit. <laughs> uh,
1: I, uh, I, I use graph paper, uh, much more extensively now than I used to because I'm writing more adventures for mm-hmm. publication than I used mm-hmm. to. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so, as an adventure writer who is not a cartographer, it's still incumbent upon me to draw the map that I have in my head so that a real cartographer can turn it into something that you put in a book on
0: purpose. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. How, how do you feel about DM screens?
1: Uh, I use them very intermittently. Um most of the time, uh, what I have on the table, if I'm running a game in person, is my Microsoft Surface. Because as I mentioned in the last episode, I've got my session notes in a Word document or a OneNote document. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in terms of shielding my notes, literally, that's what the Surface is doing. It, <laughs> right. it, it's got that covered. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the, the shield my notes function of the DM screen is not an issue for me. Um, the accessibility of tables uh, is f- fairly nice. I like that okay. Um, for the most part, I prefer my roles to be in the open. And so the screen is physically in the way. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I, I'm very much... A sometimes I'll have a screen, most of the time not. Mm -hmm, Kind of kind of situation. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's a coin toss whether I have uh, tactiles down for a session because plenty of fights we just run in theater of mind.
0: Right.
1: And it all just depends on how much work it's going to be to pick up all the food that people have brought. Because I have <laughs> players who can right, cook right. and mm-hmm. they, they you know bring snacks uh, you know, they, they lay them on the table. Well, if I haven't put the tiles down yet, it is a major job of work to clear the table and then all that food has to be somewhere.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah
1: so. A fair amount of the time, I don't wind up using any kind of uh, tiles or map. And we're just going on what I can describe. But um, I do also have a whiteboard behind my chair uh, at our main gaming table. And so I use that uh, as a way to keep a lot of kinds of notes in full player view all the time. Yeah. Um, in one of my most recent sessions, uh, I was running a, a mass combat situation. And so I needed them to uh, be able to see a, a fair number of stats all the time. And so that whiteboard behind me was a pretty strong mm-hmm, solution.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was in grad school, uh, we used to game in one of the conference rooms yep. uh, in the department, and it had whiteboards on three of the walls. So it was awesome because yeah. I had one that I could write stuff on that all the players could see. And if they wanted to strategize, they could do so. And, uh, nice. and and then leave it there and it's not on a piece of paper where only a couple people can see it. It's right there where everybody can see it. It was really nice. That nice. was a really nice uh, addition to a gaming room, um, yeah. a gaming space. Yeah.
1: Uh, back when I was in North Carolina, uh, I worked uh, in a few different video game offices, right? And um, I, I worked for a studio that moved offices. So I worked mm-hmm. in multiple offices, if you right. see what I mean. And so… Um, those conference tables were were great. The only problem was, like, I would go home after work to get my stuff, and then be back at the office for another, you know, three four hours. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> oof. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah. So I don't. I also don't use a a GM screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually I do. I do use them. I, I buy them. Uh-huh. I'm not like I don't collect them, but I have them, and, I, and then they're next to me. They're not blocking because I generally roll in the open. I'm I also don't you know I just roll everything in the open. I don't I don't uh like the dice fall where they may right. So sure. that means anybody can see them. Um, but I keep I keep them. I, I keep a DM screen for the tables or for notes, or I can put, you know, some, you know, post-it notes or whatever on it and point out and remind myself, Oh yeah, that table or, you know, give out inspiration or whatever. Right. Sure. Um, and not have it blocking any scenery. Right. Nice. Yeah. C- scenery being people around the table. And yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's it's good. Uh, my position at the table does not make that super feasible for me. Um, just like I'm at one end of a long table. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. I know that a lot of folks swear by being at the center of the long side.
0: Oh no, I'm always at the end. Right. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's me. Um, I'm at, I'm at the, I'm at the end, but then I also often have a little side table next mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. either, a, either like a TV tray table or a little tiny, like coffee yep. table kind of end table type of thing so that I can put stuff on it. Uh, not, not hidden. i got not one of those. Hidden, hidden, one of those. Just,
1: it's covered know. in Dwarven Forge.
0: Right, right. Well, and that's, <laughs> that's the thing, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And see, and I don't use that. So that's, right. you know, <laughs> so that space can be utilized elsewhere. Um. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, I, ah, I'm trying to think of other typical analog types of tools. And well, um, I
1: mean, you certainly get your random, ra- random, num- random number generator. You oh,
0: sure, of course, yes, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, the calamity cubes will have their day.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, but- I'm just—that's a given, unless you're playing, uh you know, dread.
1: I mean, I'm running a Lords of Gossamer and Shadow campaign now. And that, that's the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the clone of Amber Diceless. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, I am doing one yeah. of those.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I suppose if you're playing original Deadlands, you're using a deck of cards. So, yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, so, I've done that.
0: Yeah, so you have have a randomization aspect, right? Uh, yeah. you Usually, yeah.
1: Uh, but you know, I, I've got. Uh, The majority of many sets of dice, Mm -hmm. Uh, things have gone missing, and so I have (laughs) fairly few complete sets. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the great things is that as a reviewer, uh, I I get each new dice set that Watsy releases. So I have the the Silverhand set, and I have Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. uh, Witchlight set, and so on. Right. So those are great, and I'm very happy to have them. Especially like the the Silverhand ones for being sort of the the comically oversized d20s
0: right yeah um, I uh, I have lots of s- sets of dice um, that I purchased uh, just because I liked the way they looked. Uh-huh. I generally purchase a new dice set for each new campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I'm playing online <laughs> my castles and crusades campaign I pro- I bought a new set of dice even though we're playing online because we're using Albert Rodeo so I don't use the dice that's integrated in that because they suck so we just all roll our own dice and we're on mm-hmm. the honor system so I have a new pair of dice a new set of dice there but I also I also like really interesting weird dice so I have weather dice I have direction dice I have attitude dice with little facial expressions on them I have NPC generating dice several you know several different dice for class and ancestry and you know mood and alignment and all that kind of stuff and then i have i have some dice for uh for creating dungeons like so random you know uh dungeon morph dice and random village dice and like i just and you know a bunch of dcc rpg dice and i just i have a ton of dice i love dice dice are awesome Who, 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 who doesn't love dice i i don't know a single role-playing gamer who doesn't actually just love dice
1: i could find you some but i'm not going to because come on come on
0: i mean they're the exception that proves the rule
1: i i would agree with that (laughs) Uh, it's worth mentioning that uh one of the most notorious dice hoarders in all of gaming twitter is an old friend of mine from way back so <laughs> okay she, she personally <laughs> balances all of them with plenty to spare
0: nice yeah <laughs>
1: congratulations to you katie downey <laughs>
0: yeah yeah um all right well i think we've covered well you know what we talked kind of about spell cards and power cards mm-hmm. and and monster cards. We didn't talk about other cards. Like, do you use anything else like chase cards or like any kind of uh that there's there are these uh, kind of I've, neat cards that I kick started that have like uh random little locations on them, so it comes with a little map and a little adventure idea like that sort of thing? And
1: well, so I've uh actually worked on at one point or another more than one uh deck of cards for- that were a tool of some kind, mm-hmm. often an oracular tool of some kind right. for a game. Nice. Right. Um, and uh, I haven't received any of those yet because <laughs> those, the, the projects are just still in pipeline. Right. right? Yeah. They're just downstream from me. Right. Um, but um, something like the, uh, the uh, Ravenloft Taroka set from Curse of Strahd. Mm -hmm, I've got one of those. Um, uh, My wife just got in a uh, 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 deck of illusions that has, Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, what's the word for that? Where you turn the card slightly and it changes the image.
0: Like a holograph?
1: Yeah, 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 that thing. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, words escape me. Um, I'm a very good <laughs> podcaster, guys. I swear to God.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, they can't see anyway because it's a podcast. It's going in their ears. It's fine.
1: <laughs> right. Um. So, uh, she got one of those in, and it's cool to have props for your, mm-hmm. your deck of illusion. And, um, they also did a holographic uh, deck of many things, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Yep. Yep. And. uh I mean, I, I'm looking forward to the uh, announced uh, deck of many things themed uh, book. That'll be one of the, the last, actually, D and D five e books that comes out. So that's, oh, interesting! Uh, that's gonna yeah. be cool. So, cool. Uh, so yeah, um, they're like something like a tarot deck or oracular deck are are major uh, major thing in cards. I do have um one of the paizo chase decks mm-hmm. um and i think i might have the starfinder um like planet or system building deck whichever one that is um i got those as, as review copies it's mm-hmm. been ages um
0: they used to also make these face cards that uh were kind of nice if you were running one of their adventure paths, it was really nice because you could just get the, the cards for all the NPCs right in, in yeah. one deck. And then if you're playing, you know, at the table, you could just show them. Yeah. Um, they yeah. don't really do that as much anymore. I think it's, it's so everything's gone. Uh, so predominantly digital, especially in the past mm. couple of years that uh, it's all just online now. So.
1: Right. Um I mean, when I was running Dragon Heist, uh, that was run strictly online, players mm-hmm. scattered all over the country. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I bought the uh, art asset pack for Roll 20 uh, that was associated with Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Mm-hmm. And so that has art assets for all the NPCs. I, I love that. I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's nice.
1: Uh, so you know, someone shows up. I can click the show to players button, and they see the person who shows up.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yes.
1: You know, it's static art, not yep. animated art or anything. Right, it's right, right, great. right.
0: Yep, yep. And that's the same. That's just basically the face cards in digital form. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, cool.
1: But I would not mind seeing, you know, more things like that. Um, last time, last episode, I talked about, you know, uh, wanting a, a searchable database of of mm-hmm. uh, stock art assets. And so like, I love the idea of having more uh, character image tents to put on a table to show who's in the scene Mm -hmm, on the NPC mm -hmm. side. Right. Uh, I would just have to do the extra legwork and have uh, images ready for everybody, which I usually don't because uh, it hadn't occurred to me before right now. Right. (laughs) I want to mention one of the, the great uses of those oracular decks is just- uh, like adventure building, like
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It,
1: you need a system that's built to that deck, but it will, you know, help you figure out the the situation of the adventure, maybe that some of the twists along the way, kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, we've seen uh, die tables of that kind of thing in the DMG and in other books, so. It's it's only obvious that you could do the same thing with cards, right? It's nice. just a different randomizer. Okay. So I guess you yep. could. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm working on a project like that right now for um, uh, a particular game.
0: Nice, very cool. All right, so so before we leave, Brandis, tell me tell me something. yeah. yeah. Is there anything in the analog realm that you wish existed, but Currently, you don't have.
1: So there is. I've I've been thinking about how I would make this for a long time. The issue with it is that it's pretty campaign or setting specific. But I would love okay. to see this make it into D and D in you know a really robust way. Mm-hmm. What I want is a D and D setting version of the Dracula dossier.
0: Oh lord!
1: For nice Black agents. I love the mm. marked up text that has um, you know, stories for the players to go investigate. I want something like the Armitage files that is just like the campaign starts. ton of text props are dumped in your lap. Good luck. Mm-hmm. That's the campaign. Y- you investigating all of this stuff. Like, right. you're hit with extreme information overload and like the information is good. And you learn a ton from it, but also it is the questions and it shows you the problems. I would love that kind of thing. Um, We did that in dust to dust the the LARP that we ran, and it was hugely successful. And I want to do something like that for Forgotten Realms, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. um, the in-play texts of the Volo's guides and Aurora's Horam's catalog are classics, but... I want something like um, the you know a, a big journal for Dungeons and the Mad Mage,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Of maybe maybe it's one of the apprentices, you know, a journal of you know hundred pages or whatever, right? Um, or, or more. You know, I could easily see doing a lot more than that. Um, yeah. So I, I want to do the same thing for Eberron yeah. with you know a a, a total pastiche of Great Gatsby.
0: Right. right. So this is there's a Swordfish Islands field okay. guide that is it's an OSR based it's it's a it's not in Forgotten Realms obviously but Sure, sure, it's, sure. it's uh it's Jacob Hurst's uh his, his 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 setting basically. And um it and the and the first product I ever saw of it was a field guide to the Swordfish Isles. Nice. And it's basically that it's like the, the journal that you find that it was written by the last people who went and explored. Right. And so it's got sketches in it. It's got like notes that are actual journal entries. It's got a few maps. It's got like information on the flora and fauna that they ran into and don't eat this. It's poisonous. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Watch out for that. It's dangerous, that sort of, but actual, and then like clues to certain parts of the Island, I absolutely that. love that. Yeah, it's it's freaking fantastic.
1: Now, there's, there's another setting that I think really calls out for this kind of thing. It's it's one not, not a lot of people know about. And I think they really want to get the word out about it. Uh, it's a setting called Middle Earth. I think you could really use some novels.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, some novels, yeah. With, yeah. with,
1: like, characters that can help you uh-huh. get into the setting, right. right? Yeah. Just really draw you in and give you more <laughs> stuff to want to investigate right. because, like – the, the the setting has so much lore but like mm. maybe so, so wait something's coming to me i'm, I'm getting a note here <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right folks and that'll be the end of the episode <laughs> no i know i hear you and, and the thing is the dracula dossier is so good
1: yeah yeah i mean and the, i mean the armorage files are great yeah, yeah i yeah. love them yeah. as a resource mm-hmm. yeah um so it's,
0: it's very X it's it it's, hear me out. It's very X files. Like absolutely, that's yeah. the kind of game that I enjoy at it, times. Right. It's Therapy. like someone
1: actually dumped the X files in your lap.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here are the files. You go through them and pick out the information from the files that you think, you know, is most interesting and you go investigo- the, investigate those cases and then maybe you'll stumble onto some clues that are similar in different cases and you'll start realizing maybe there's some connections or, you know, maybe it's all in your mind. There's not really connections. Maybe you're just making it up, but you're following the clues and you're following the things you want to follow as, as the party, right. Yeah. Based on this information. So I want to
1: tell you about what we did in dust to dust. Okay. Um, so we're maybe three or so events in Mm -hmm. and, um, a bunch of characters completely just mysteriously with no obvious physical source, uh, mm-hmm. receive uh, books that are all titled The Codex of Wisdom and Destiny Volume 2.
0: Okay. Volume 2. Volume two. Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so that that's that's the first rude thing about it. The second rude thing about it is that none of them have all the same pages. They they all have mm. slightly different arrangements of pages. Um, you know, they share some, but none of them share all the pages. Mm-hmm. And we did this with malice aforethought forethought because in a LARP, <laughs> right. it is absolutely critical to twist players' arms to work together mm-hmm. That is as is absolutely a, a known thing, right. right? It's not, you know, uh, four to six friends sitting around a table. It's in our case, at that time, around a hundred players on site, and many of the characters just don't get along at all. Mm-hmm. The, the players mostly get along fine. Right. The characters frequently do not, um, and so uh, some of the pages are encrypted. Um, so there's sort of a Voynich manuscript thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was
0: going to wait for you to finish. I was going to mention the Voynich manuscript. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: now they're not. Voynich-style encrypted. Right. They're just um, uh, Playfair codes. And one of my friggin' players, <laughs> God love him, he brute forces oh, no. one of the Playfair <laughs> codes. And it, it's the one that you are supposed to like get all the clues to and solve last. Oh, God. He brute forces that one. And then from that, backfills the five that led to it.
0: Right. Oh,
1: really, man. dude, you're killing me. Um, <laughs> but uh, there are a total of something like 30 pages uh, that we wrote for this thing. Yeah. And some of them have I- images on them uh, that are like uh, the mask of this one bad guy that we know we're going to use. Cause mm-hmm. we already had the prop so we could go ahead and draw it and that kind of thing. And yeah. so it was this way to uh Just toss out tons and tons of information because we also didn't know what the campaign was going to be about. A lot of the campaign was just this is our world, go explore it. And, you know, the stuff that you show us you're interested in is what's going to matter. And fortunately, we had the kind of player base that would respond to that, right? They they show us interest, and so we would have it matter. Um, And, so a lot of the, the entries in this book, a lot of pages of the book wound up being their baseline of information about that thing that we then expanded on. But it was a, a very useful way to, uh, you know give them some information for free, some of the non-encrypted uh, pages, and then some they had to really, really work for because we had some players that loved that and there are enough players It didn't matter if, you know, these 10 players don't like uh, Cyphers. They just don't care about Cyphers at all. That's fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's someone else who does. I promise. Right, right. And we knew that ahead of time. There were players who loved Cyphers. Uh, but that was very cool. a huge success for us. Yeah. And uh, I would love to do that in another campaign. Uh, I do want to point out that it was... Weeks upon weeks of pre pro work. So there's that.
0: Yeah, 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 of course. Of course. Yeah, I have this. Um it's it's almost a, a bucket list. Uh I'll probably never do it, but boy, if I start it, I know I'll be working on it for the rest of my life. Um this this crazy, dumb, wonderful idea of taking the Voynich manuscript, because I have a really, really beautiful copy of it. Mm. And uh, it's got some kind of different annotations and historical notes and whatnot about the different, you know, ideas that people had when they were trying to translate different parts of it or whatever. And uh, taking that and basically making a kind of West Marches campaign kind of guidebook style thing kind of like what you're talking about with here's the journal that you found here's the thing and here's the you know here's the clues and whatnot figure out what you want to go look for you know figure out figure out which mysteries you want to go find out more about and what what problems you want to solve about what's going on here and uh, and and you know basically translating the the Voynich manuscript into um, you know uh, one of the role-playing systems, I don't know which one it would be, um, but uh, yeah. probably something D&D adjacent, right? If not D&D specifically, um, but, you know, something that could be used or easily used in any basic fantasy role-playing system. And, uh, and, and it's such a huge job because the Voynich manuscript is amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. And also... A huge mystery <laughs> yep. so in other words i would have to make decisions about it and you know there would have to be like a players here's the players book and here's the gm's guide to. and it wouldn't be like oh here's what this means it would be well here's some ideas mm-hmm. of how you might want to play this out depending on what your what your group does you know and man what an undertaking for I sure I just don't, sure. I, again, I would be working on it for the rest of my life if, if I ever started it.
1: Well, just make sure it's ready by the time you get to the retirement home. That's yeah, fine. right.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh huh. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that might round us up for this episode. Where can we find you on the internet, sir?
1: Well, um, you can find me at, at Twitter for now at brendastutter.com. Um, I'm also on Mastodon at Brandis Stoddard at dice.camp. Uh, my uh, personal blog is BrandisStoddard.com. I also write for tribality.com. And my Patreon is BrandisStoddard. How about you, Sam? Uh,
0: I am on Twitter for now at DM Samuel. You can also find me at RPGMusings.com, or you can find me on The Tome Show, or you can find me on YouTube at RPG Musings. And uh, we hope you're having a wonderful holiday.
1: And I hope that you will uh, join us next time uh, as we discuss uh, our favorite official book uh, for planning and inspiration.